The goal is to not make things easier. Instead, the goal is to develop the skills to do difficult things better and more graceful. In this week's episode, I share five useful tools that you can leverage when your fears are activated in any stressful situation. Hi, everyone. This is Jim Riviello, and I want to welcome you to the Getting Results Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here, so let's get started. Results matter. In fact, we're paid to get results. So the big question is this. How do business leaders like us, who really want to do the right thing and make a difference, how do they get results? How do they effectively lead others in the face of adversity? And how do they find the strength and courage to role model the behavior they want to see in others? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Jim Riviello, and welcome to Getting Results. Hey everyone, this is Riv, and today I want to talk about disciplining our fear. This is part five in a five-part series I've been doing on overcoming fear. If you missed any of the previous episodes, I encourage you to catch up on them when convenient. In the last four episodes, I've spoken about the fear of not being good enough, the fear of making a mistake, the fear of being rejected, and the fear of change. Reality of it is the list of fears is endless. Fear has a way of paralyzing us. Fear is a way of creating anxiety. Fear is a way of holding us back. And fear makes us feel vulnerable. This fear strips away our power. It's important to note that fear is normal. There's nothing wrong with you because you're afraid of something. And and you know, and the reality of it is every person, right, has been afraid of something at some point in their lives. Imagine for a second if you were free of fear, just like go there for a second, like have some fun. Just, just imagine that feeling for a second of, of not being afraid, right? I mentioned this to, to someone I was uh, coaching the other day and they were like, that'd be great, Riv, but how do I do that? And they kind of like jump back at me. And I, I responded with say, by, by learning how to discipline your fears. And I, when I mentioned this, the phone went quiet. And I knew it required more explanation. So let me share with you what I shared with them. To discipline our fears, we have to first embrace our fear. We have to lean into your fear, our fears and step towards it. Now, I have to imagine that you, much like the person I was talking to that day, like is responding in their head with going, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, move towards it? So I went on to explain that I remember, like I forget where it was, but I read something years ago that fear stands for stands for false experiences appearing real. And I've always remembered that. And so let me unpack that further. See, the first thing we have to understand about fear, regardless of what that fear is, is that it exists in our mind. Go back to my, my definition that fear of uh, false experiences appearing real, right? Is that a lot of these experiences appear in our mind. That is the reason, the, the true underlying reason that fear has a, has a hold on us and paralyzes us. It's an unconscious thought, right? So if you've ever been in a, a life or death emergency situation, you will know that fear wasn't a problem, right? The mind didn't have time in that situation to fool around and make it into a problem. In a true emergency, the mind stops. You become totally present in the moment and something infinitely more powerful takes over. 
this is why so there has been so many like uh, reports and incidences of, of just basic ordinary people suddenly becoming capable of incredible courageous deeds. In any emergency, either you survive or you don't. Either way, it's not a problem. It's like in the moment. And if any of you ever follow Eckhart Tolle, I want to really highly like I uh, highly push him right now because he talks about this uh, this concept that I just mentioned a lot in his book, The Power of Now. And I highly recommend. Uh, that's a great book. I've been I've been rereading that book recently. And uh, again, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and it's just uh, amazing perspective, especially for the time we're living in right now. And when I begin to work with someone in a coaching relationship, one of the first things we do is we spend a lot of time in the beginning building what I refer to as their awareness muscle. See, it is our awareness to what is happening around us and also our awareness to what is happening inside us that holds the key to freedom, freedom from pain and the freedom from the suffering that is caused by fear. See, the powerful person that exists inside each one of us has an opportunity to step forward only when we are able to free ourselves from the unconscious fear inside us. And I remember years ago, I was coaching uh, this woman, and um, she was a a creative director at at, at an agency, just amazing, amazing talent. And uh, the, the fear monkey was really getting her big time. And I remember she called me up one day and and she says, uh, I showed up to uh, direct a shoot, a, uh, a photo shoot, a video shoot. I forget exactly what the shoot was. And and she goes, when I got there, like I was the one in charge of of really directing this. When I got there, it was like chaos and everybody else was uh, was taken over. And I was thinking to myself, oh, no, what happened? What would you do? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm bracing myself for the worst case uh, discussion. And, and she goes, but Riv, I remembered in that moment what you told me. And I was like, I didn't remember. So I was just like, Hey, well, what did I tell you? She goes, you told me to F fear. <laughs> and I said, I did. Like, I didn't, re- I literally didn't remember that. And I'm cleaning it up, uh, for this broadcast. I don't know if kids are listening in the background, but I was like, I said, what? She goes, yeah, you told me to F fear. And I said, okay. And then what did you do? And I was a little cautious. I was like, not knowing what to expect after she goes, I stood up and I started to take control. And next thing you know, I regained the power of the whole shoot. And it was, and by the way, Rib, it was phenomenal. So I can't thank you enough. And I just was laughing inside. I was like, okay, I must have said that. And I, I literally did not remember it. And so I, I came back with a comment to her. I said, you know, I said, well, we should make that like a t shirt, like F fear. And we should, like, you know, come some cute saying. And she goes, well, don't worry, I'll, I'll design it for you. And I literally have a, a, an F fear t-shirt so if anybody ever wants one reach out to me and and we'll figure out how a way to get you one but uh anyway i thought that story was good and the reason that i'm sharing that story with you is i'm so pr- i was so proud of her that day in the moment i'll never forget it because she took the leap of faith right and she she overcame her fears and the moment she stepped put her fear aside the powerful person which i knew was inside of her right the most amazing person inside of her was able to step forward and she was living proof of that and that's why I wanted to share that with you, right? And I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the work we did together and I'm proud of her for putting her fear aside and stepping forward. So let me give you, I want to share with you five tools that as I was preparing this podcast, I was like, okay, what are some of the advice that I give people when they approach me when they're laced with a lot of fear, like when I'm in a coaching relationship? So I want to share with you five tools that I use personally 
because there's times that, you know, like I'm a little more apprehensive and anxious than, than normal. And so, you know, like I said, fear is, you know, none of us are immune from fear. It shows up in all different forms of flavors for everybody. So I want to give you the five tools that I use, the best practices that I use to manage fear and the five tools that, you know, that I give my clients to use and that I've, they've had success like the woman I just mentioned, right? And to help, to help, if nothing else, if this at least helps you begin the process of moving in that direction. I'm not expecting you to end this podcast and be like, okay, I'm, I'm fearless for everything. But if I can begin to help you uh, move in that direction, then I'll feel like the you're listening to this podcast was was worth your time and effort. So the first one that I tell people, the first tool is to, is to pregame the situation. Whatever situation is laced with fear, I always go into pregame mode. And anybody who's, who's worked with me in the past or anybody who's been in my workshops, you, you guys are you're probably smiling right now because like, oh, I, can, I know where Rib's going on this. It's like, you know, he's always talking about pregame, right? We have to pregame. We have to pregame those situations that make us uncomfortable. And it's, a, it's when you pregame this, a situation that makes you uncomfortable, you actually raise your level of consciousness to the situation. So I told you earlier that fear exists in our unconscious mind. So what I'm going to ask you to do is raise your level of consciousness to the fear that you're experiencing. And the first thing to do is to anticipate obstacles. So, and the reason that anticipating obstacles is so important in a pregame is so that when, when and if they occur, you can consciously see them. And the moment you can consciously see them, right, you're, you, and by the way, this is the essence of, of the awareness muscles referring to, to earlier. The, the moment you can consciously see them is then, then they don't have a hold on you. You're like, you smile and go, oh, I can see how that, how I was expecting that to happen. And I want to give you an example of a time where I, I gave somebody this advice. Um, I was working with somebody and they had to give a, they called me up to pregame. It took me up in my advice. I said, I, I got to give a big talk to my team. And I was a company update and, and I and I wanted to, uh, uh, I was a technology guy and I, I wanted to, um, to, uh, uh, the, the person wanted to actually uh, pregame what he was going to say. And so we went through the slides, we went through the, the message, we went through the conversation. And then I asked a, a really important question at the end. I said, okay, who in the crowd potentially just potentially is the person that's going to throw the hand grenade, hand grenade at you. Who potentially is going to raise their hand and go, yeah, but. And so I wanted that this individual to anticipate the obstacle, to anticipate the obstacle of throwing them off their game in front of everybody. And the moment, the more we workshopped through what that, who the potential person was that could throw the hand grenade and what the right response was. I got a call later and said, yep, you were right, Riv. I, first of all, I nailed the presentation and did a great update. And yes, I did get a couple uh, questions and thank God I was prepared for them because when they happened, I was so much more relaxed. Bam, that's the value of the pregame, right? If you have a fear of something could go wrong, if you pregame it, if and when it does happen, you're better prepared for it. Again, that is the essence of of your awareness muscle. So without going too deep, let me move on to, to the second tool, which is developing a stress management routine. That's a powerful tool. See, is you have to develop the situations that potentially activate your anxiety, activate your level of anxiousness. Um, you're worried about whether you're going to, your, your things are going to turn out okay, whether you're going to do well, all that monkey mind chatter. You have to develop a stress management routine. 
So for example, for me, every single, you know, people say, well, okay, Riv, you speak for a living, you hold workshops. I got to tell you, every workshop I've ever given still to this day, you get a little, I get a little anxious beforehand. Right. And so, and sometimes like I'm given two day, three day workshops back to back to back. That's a lot of energy I have to expend leading up to that. So part of my stress management routine is I have a pre event routine. I have a post event routine. So for example, be before the, like if I'm going to go give a, a three day or two day leadership workshop, right. One of the things I'm doing, I become very conscious, like a week before the actual workshop in what I eat. I'm very conscious then become in my alcohol intake, right? I'm very conscious in making sure I uh, drink a lot of water, right? This actually helps to overcome the fear of not being at my best, right? So I kind of put myself in a pregame state, much like an athlete would put themselves in a pregame state before a big game. And I gave this advice to another gentleman who had to go give his first talk up on stage one time at a, at a, a large conference. And uh, one of the things I told him, I said, look, you have to kind of like start to really pay attention to your diet. But I also went one step further. I said, the morning of the event, I want you to take a really cold shower. Like take your shower like you normally would. But at, towards the end of the shower, I want you to turn it all on cold and try to stay in that shower as long as possible in that cold, right? To really kind of like activate your entire body. And, I, and he was like, why do you want me to do that? I said, because it's going to, you're going to come out so refreshed and so energized, right? That it'll allow you to perform at your best. And he did it. And he calls me up later and he goes, wow, that was really amazing. Not only did it was I, I felt like I was really balanced because I ate really well and I had a lot of fluids in me, but that cold shower like really helped. Again, there's so many different techniques where I can go on and on about this stuff, but I want to share that with you. Um, and you also need a stress management routine for after something large happens. It's kind of it's kind of uh, interesting, but after every workshop I ever deliver, I always treat myself to like to a chocolate brownie or something like that. And the reason for that is like I'm, I I love chocolate, right? I love dark chocolate. And I know it sounds crazy, but like when I'm traveling and stuff, like I'll stop in Starbucks and have one of those double fudge chocolate brownies that have like 400 something calories in each one. And I know that sounds crazy. I know it's bad, but that's that's my actual reward for my pregame routine when I'm being really good on what I eat before. The event, I actually now set up an, a reward system so that if that takes on a whole new meaning. And can I tell you, that brownie tastes really, really good when I'm done. The same thing that you guys have heard me talk about my vacation prep guide. And if any of you guys are interested in that, I put together a quick vacation prep guide. It's at lxu.training. It's off my website, slash vacation. Again, lxu.training slash vacation. You can pull down my vacation prep guide. And what is that? Simply stated, it's a routine I have before I leave for a vacation and a routine I have after I come back from vacation. Why? Because vacation has a way of elevating our stress level, right? Of carrying work in, of missing something. And what if I miss something? Those are all fears in disguise. So that prep guide, that routine for before and after has helped me navigate some of the monkey mind fears I would have. I also have a ritual of, of going for long walks before and after large events that keeps me grounded. So whatever it is, like I, again, I can go on and on. I want you to experiment with what works best for you. But the net, net here tool is you have to consciously think of a stress management routine when you find yourself in situations that have a lot of stress, which is our activators for a lot of fears. Okay. So now the third tool is you got to visualize success. Right. And this isn't some like just Jedi mind trick. No, you have to visualize a positive outcome so you can, in fact, 
manifest that outcome. See, everything we do, like as humans, there's like this energy field that circulates around us. And how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about a situation will project itself um, somewhere. It might be in our face. It might be in our tone. It might be in our expressions. It might be in our responses. It doesn't really matter, but we're projecting an energy field. So we have to visualize success so that we project the right energy onto the situation. So many of you guys know that I used to coach basketball. And I used to, uh, anybody who's I've ever coached, if you guys are any of these, any of the athletes I've ever coached know this, is like, you know, first you just start with a basic foul shot. Since you were ever taught to play the game of basketball, you would start with a foul shot to have a consistent routine, right? And visualize when you, when you, when you're at the free throw line, you know, I used to teach the kids, okay, three dribbles, deep breath, bend your knees, right? And then the last thought before you bend down to release the shot is you got to visualize you got to drown out the crowd and you got to visualize that ball going through the basket. So you got to visualize that success. It's the same way in basketball that when I, we used to get into late game situations and my son made a comment to me one time. He said, dad, you know, in all the years you coached me, I realized that we were always behind at halftime. And, but we, but at the same time, we, we won a lot of our games and we were very calm coming down to the last few minutes and navigating a lot of late game situations. And the reason for that is me and my assistant coach used to spend so much time talking about late game situations and visualizing what do we do in those situations that are going to put us in a successful mindset. So we came up with three plays. I always had to, I only had three plays for late game situations. The ball was underneath the basket. I had to play for that. The ball was on the side out of bounds. I had to play for that. Right. If the ball is at the end of the opposite end of the, ba- the court, I had to play for that. And I learned this technique from Morgan Wooden, who was the former uh, DeMatha high school coach who had an insane record um, of like 12,740, 700, 12, I'm sorry. I mean, 1,274 wins compared to like 192 losses for his career. And he was, he talked about the idea of visualizing success. And so like I took the idea from him. I mean, I leveraged the idea. Like our out-of-bounds play underneath the basket was actually called victory. So when we got into a late game situation, I would come into the huddle and say, okay, guys, where's the ball? The ball's underneath the basket. We're going to run victory. Here's what we do. We've run this a thousand times in practice, right? This is a play. Okay, ready? I'm going to break the huddle on three. Let's, let's go. One, two, three, victory. So boom, they broke that huddle going back on the court thinking this was the shot that was going to take us to victory. And I got to tell you, nine times out of 10, these kids were amazing. They came through because they could visualize success. Right, so that's why I share that uh, that story for you to help you visualize success. You have to visualize success, so the energy you project, you project positive energy onto the situation. The next thing I want to, the next tool I want to give you is you need to establish a setback response mechanism. Let me say that again: is a you have to establish a setback response mechanism. So what, what I'm, it's what I'm really trying to say is you need to deal with setbacks because you're not always going to win every situation. You have to you have to come to the reality that there are some situations that you are going to have setbacks, right? And a lot of times when I work with people, most people assume an obstacle or a setback or a failure is bad. And one of the things I always try to break down that false and limiting belief is not bad. You have to have a response mechanism. So I have a really simple way of dealing with situations that when I incur a, a setback, a failure of some sort, and I can sum it up in one word, good. Let me say that again. 
Whenever I'm dealing with my setback response mechanism, when I'm dealing with a situation that doesn't turn out the way I want, my response is good. And I learned this also from a gentleman named Jocko uh, Willock. Um, he's a former Navy SEAL. And uh, if you guys ever read his book, Extreme Leadership, phenomenal book. Um, so he was the one that taught me this, is that regardless of any situation, come up with a response of good. So you didn't get a you didn't get the promotion you were looking for. Good. Now there's more time for me to get better and build a better resume. Someone uh, you share your idea and someone didn't like it. Good. Gives me more time to flush out the details and articulate and cl- clean up my language so maybe I can articulate the idea in in a more positive way. You lose a client. Good. Right. Gives me a time to find a better client. Right. And un- you get an unexpected problem uh, crosses your desk. Good. We have an opportunity to figure out a solution. Bam. You see how that immediately changes the connotation in your head, the whole conversation in your head, right? And I, was, I shared this with a client the other day. Obviously, because we're going through you know, a major pandemic right now. And we were talking about this. And he was, he said to me, he goes, Riv, I, I said, how you doing? He goes, I remembered what you taught me about a year ago. And I said, what's that? He goes, you taught me to say good. And I was like, okay, so tell me how you're applying it. He goes, well, I'm looking at this situation that we're faced with right now. We're all working from home as an opportunity to to retool our business, as an opportunity to look at things that we might have missed, some more blind spots. And I was like, damn, see? So he has a, he established a setback response mechanism. Instead of leaning into the bad of this situation, he said, good, how can I use this as an opportunity to retool our business, all right? Awesome. Okay, now I want to share with you the fifth one. The fifth and final tool here is a simple one: is to seek help. And if those of you guys who follow my work, you know, always, you know, you know, always, I'm always talking about my leadership laws. Well, leadership law number three that I always refer to is to seek guidance and help to co-create the future. See, the best leaders have learned to ask for help. And when someone asked me, you know, uh, recently, they said, "Riv, you know, what should I?" look for in a coach. I'm thinking about getting a coach to help me navigate this difficult situation in front of us. And you know, and obviously we were talking about potentially entering into a coaching relationship. And my first response was I said, it's really simple. You have one question to ask anybody, regardless of it's me or anybody else you're talking to about potentially being your coach. And that question is simply, do you have a coach? Think about that for a second, right? I have a coach. My coach has been with me. Actually, this coming up June will be like 12 years. It's crazy, right? Um, Tom Brady, probably the winningest, uh, or actually the winningest quarterback um, in NFL history, won more Super Bowls than than anybody. He has a quarterback's coach, right? The best people I've ever talked to all surround themselves with coaches, right? So so whether you decide to use me or not, as I told him, I said, I said, I would always ask the quest, the first question you should ask to get past the cost of what I call cost of entry is, do you have a coach? And the reason I say that is because everybody needs help and the best leaders seek help to co-create the future, right? You gone are the days of going it alone. It's, you know, a lot of leaders have this misconception that it's a weakness to ask for help. I say it's the furthest thing from the truth. It's a strength to ask for help. All right. So let me summarize these five tools. Number one, pregame the situation. So it becomes why? Why is pregaming so important? So it becomes part of your DNA. Number two, create a stress management routine before and after anything that ignites fear. Number three, visualize success. You have to project that positive energy. Number four, 
right? Establish a setback response mechanism. So that too becomes part of your DNA. And I share with you the, my, my one word, simple one, good. And the fifth one is to seek help, right? Don't go it alone, right? Do you want to achieve something really phenomenal? Seek help. All right. I have to run. I hope you have a great week. And remember, you always have a choice. Don't worry about where you are, what you've done, or what you failed to do. Today, like every day, is a new beginning. You have an opportunity starting today to begin the process of disciplining your fears. Leaders learn how to embrace their fears. They walk towards them. Why? So they can free themselves of them. When you learn to break the chains of fear, you create an opportunity for the powerful person inside of you to step forward. The goal is not simply to make things easier because, in fact, some things are hard. Instead, the goal is to develop the skills to do the difficult things better and more graceful. While the list of fears is endless, so is the list of stories of people overcoming their fears. I challenge you to become the next person who adds their story to that list. Start today. Learn how to pregame those situations that have you afraid. Create a stress management routine. Visualize successful outcomes. Establish a setback response mechanism. And whenever you do, promise me that you will seek help. Everyone needs help. If I can help you, please do not hesitate to reach out. Have a great week. Do me a favor and share this podcast with others in whatever way serves you best. Enjoy your week, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.